Good evening. We will call the City Council meeting for Monday, November 6, 2023 to order. Please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The clerk will take the roll. Council members Fleming? Here. Larson? Masolia? Here. Newland? Here. Robertson? Here. Soroya? Here. Mayor Sanders? Here. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome. Uh, this is uh, one of the, the few best nights of the year where we get to uh, say welcome and thank you uh, to a new group of officers. And uh, it's our, our privilege and our, our, uh, our privilege to have all of you here with us this evening to celebrate this moment. And at this point in time, I'll turn it over to our chief, Chief Padani. Well, thank you, Mayor, members of the council, and everyone in attendance tonight. Um, it's, it's always interesting to see how smaller council chambers ends up being <laughs> now when we have something like this. So that's pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, so first of all, thank you for taking the time to recognize our staff this evening. Uh, this is, as always, it's an exciting time for our department as, as we continue to grow. Uh, we have four new officers uh, who will uh, be sworn in tonight to have recently completed their field training and are currently operating independently as officers in our community. I know the council has heard this, but for the benefit of the members of the public, um, we do a, when, when officers start working uh, prior to them completing their field training, they are initially officially sworn in so they can do the job. But once they complete their field training, then we have more of a ceremonious uh, swearing in where they get to bring their families out and everything. And, uh, this group that we have tonight, I've kind of affectionately dubbed group Smiley because every time I see them, they're always smiling. So the, uh, all four of them. So, but again, thank you, um, Mayor and members of the council, City Manager Wolf, and everybody in the department who came out tonight as well. Last but not least, all the friends and family members who are here to show your support tonight. You know, it's an, we have an incredible sense of pride to be here and work here in this community. And I know we're going to continue to do great things. The mission of our Blaine Police Department is as proud members of our community, we, the members of the Blaine Police Department, strive to enhance the quality of life in Blaine by serving with integrity, respect, and professionalism. Tonight, with the opportunity to recognize several new staff members who've embraced us and have become invaluable members of our Blaine family. And we have a very competitive hiring process here in Blaine, and we're fortunate to have these new officers. Uh, for anyone who's keeping track, um, we have we are now authorized for 81 officers, so we're continuing to grow. And this is pretty cool because, you know, we hire great people and we do great things. And we're fortunate to do that tonight, but it also takes extra tenacity to be here as well. You know, we're in some interesting times in public safety. And, you know, at a time when our society's become divided and law enforcement can be a target, it takes special character to know that and have people sign up to do this job and be a part of an honorable profession. And it's pretty cool because there's some familiar faces here tonight too that have kind of come back to roost. So we're pretty excited for that. So uh, how we're gonna do this though, we will call up each individual staff member, do a brief overview, and then uh, have them introduce anybody that they have here tonight as well. Um, and we do that based on seniority. So Rachel, come on up. Rachel Knott. 
formerly Hancock. So, badge number 247. Rachel, first of all, before I start with the bio, who do you want to introduce tonight? I know there's one special guest, but. Uh, uh, Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming out tonight. A uh, quick bio on Rachel before uh, uh, our city clerk, Kathy Sorensen, does the honors. So Rachel grew up in Ramsey, graduated from Anoka High School, attended Anoka Ramsey Community College during high school in the PSEO program, earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Sociology from Law, Crime, and Deviance from the University of Minnesota, and completed a law enforcement program at Hennepin Tech. Uh, Rachel previously worked for the Brooklyn Center Police Department as a police cadet and CSO, also at the Anoka County Sheriff's Office as a CSO, and then was a CSO here at Blaine before, hiring, before being hired as an officer. Uh, Rachel was married just a month ago, so we're still updating all of our rosters. So <laughs> Rachel enjoys spending time in the outdoors, fishing and kayaking. So we've actually had some chats on that already. So all right, anything else you want to say before we uh, call up our city clerk here? Wonderful. All right. Kathy? I, Rachel Knott, do solemnly swear to honorably support the Constitution of the United States, the laws of the state of Minnesota, the Charter and Municipal Code of the City of Blaine, and to faithfully discharge the duties as police officer, to the best of my judgment and ability. I also affirm to uphold the Law Enforcement Code of Ethics, the Blaine Police Department Mission Statement, the, Blaine Police Department Mission Statement, and, the Department's core and the Department's Core Values. Thank you. Rachel, who's going to pin on your badge? Officer Rachel Mott. Next, badge number 249, Jenna Justin. This is kind of cool for me because this is the first person I hired when I came here as a CSO. So to see her come back as an operation, I was pretty cool for me so all right so do you want to make introductions first and we'll do a bio well, this is <laughs> 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, welcome everyone. Wonderful to have you here. So, all right. So, Officer Justin grew up in Blaine. Graduated from Blaine High School. Uh, she has an associate's degree in law enforcement from Century College and completed skills at Hennepin Tech. So, Jenna was an explorer here with Blaine PD for five years, a reserve with St. Anthony PD for one year, a CSO with Ramsey County for a year, and a CSO with Blaine for two and a half years. Uh, she was also formerly a police officer with Plymouth PD for three years before coming back to Blaine as an officer, and we're happy to have her back. I know I've made some enemies in Plymouth, and you're going to find that out tonight, not with Jenna, but with another two, so... But we're okay with that, so, okay. All right. Um, she currently resides in St. Francis with her two dogs, Ranger and Goober. Now, Ranger, do you want to tell that, or can I mention that? So, Ranger, when we lost Officer Nanny years ago, and uh, when him and his wife were killed in a motorcycle crash by a distracted driver, that left behind Ranger, and Jenna jumped in and adopted Ranger, and has Ranger to this day, so pretty cool. That was big heart, so... But also two cats, Nino and Addie, and younger sister Gabby. Uh, she enjoys hiking, reading, and spending time with her sisters and new nephew Dallas. Is Dallas here? Way down on the end here, I assume so. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, congrats on that too. So, all right. Anything else you want to say before we call back up, Kathy? Happy to be back. Happy to be home. We're happy you're back. So. <laughs> I, Jenna Justin, do solemnly swear to honorably support the Constitution of the United States, the laws of the state of Minnesota, the Charter and Municipal Code of the City of Blaine, and to faithfully discharge the duties as police officer to the best of my judgment and ability. I also affirm to uphold the Law Enforcement Code of Ethics the Blaine Police Department mission statement and the department's core values. Thank you. All right, who's coming up? Officer Jenna Justin. All right, next up we have Officer Tommy Satelli. I have a lot to say here, so you better do make some introductions out here first, so. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Uh, 
So, mobile. You know, if you don't know to get into law enforcement, you do have to go through psychological testing, okay? And this first line made me question, did he actually pass, okay? So, Tommy grew up in Hawaii, okay? Lived there through high school before escaping and his way, making his way to Minnesota where his older brother had moved. So, how's the climate change? A little better here? Or? Okay. <laughs> I figured as much, so. Um, Anyway, Officer Satelli attended Winona State University, earned his bachelor's degree in individualized studies, then attended Century College and finished up his law enforcement skills at Hennepin Tech. Uh, officer Satelli previously worked as a paramedic for two years in Woodbury and then three years as a police officer in Woodbury, then uh, four years in Plymouth as an officer before coming to Blaine. Hopefully you stay here now for good. Oh. Uh, he's actually a DRE instructor, too, a drug recognition expert instructor, and been named to the state's DWI All-Star team for the last six years. So needless to say, you know, we take our impaired driving enforcement very seriously in Blaine, and it's been a very welcome addition and uh, already seen the fruits of that labor. So it was kind of interesting, too, because when I, when, I, uh, when I shared with uh, our local uh, TZD coordinator, said, hey, guess who's coming to Blaine? He goes, you guys got Tommy? <laughs> so he thought that was pretty cool, especially because he lives in Blaine. So anyway, Officer Satelli is married to his wife, Cassie, and they have a six-year-old son, Duke, who we just got introduced to. And he enjoys spending time with family, sports, and video games. So, anything else you want to share? Well, we're happy you're here. So all right, Kathy. I, Thomas Satelli, do solemnly swear. To honorably support the Constitution of the United States. To honorably support the Constitution of the United States. The laws of the state of Minnesota. The laws of the state of Minnesota. The Charter and Municipal Code. The Charter and Municipal Code. Of the City of Blaine. Of the City of Blaine. And to faithfully discharge the duties. And to faithfully discharge the duties. As police officer. As police officer. To the best of my judgment and ability. To the best of my judgment and ability. I also affirm to uphold. I also affirm to uphold. The law enforcement code of ethics. The law enforcement code of ethics. The Blaine Police Department mission statement and the department's core, the department's core values. Thank you. All right, who's coming up for this? Officer Tommy Satelli. I always love when the kids come out for these two. Duke, look us up in about 15 years, okay, buddy? <laughs> All right, last but not least, Will Jansen. Badge number 253. All right, Officer Jansen, who, uh, who do you have here tonight? Wow, pretty fancy outfits, too. <laughs> All right. 
A quick bio here. Officer Will Jansen grew up in Walworth, Wisconsin. Um, attended Winona State University here in Minnesota, earning a bachelor's degree in political science, and then completed the Wisconsin Police Academy at Black Hawk Technical College. Um, Officer Jansen worked two summers for the town of Troy Boat Patrol in Wisconsin, and then two years for the Wisconsin, Wisconsin State Capitol Police, and we talked about that, that sounds like it was pretty interesting. And then eight years with the Oregon Police Department in Wisconsin. During those eight years, he worked on patrol, was also a DRE, um, and then a detective and a detective sergeant. So, um, also, prior to getting to law enforcement, was a full-time firefighter and EMT, and then he, I don't know if we have any firefighters here tonight, but he left this job to take on a, an incredibly difficult job from an easy job, right? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Our squads are very clean now, I'll tell you that though, how's that? <laughs> anyway, Will is married to his wife Bethany, as you saw, and they have three-year-old twin daughters, Linda and Ophelia. And he enjoys all activities outdoors, including spending time with his family, water sports, and traveling. So, we're excited to have you here. Anything else you want to say before we do the honors? Well, we're happy you're here as well, so. All right, Kathy. I, William Jansen, do solemnly swear to honorably support the Constitution of the United States, the laws of the state of Minnesota, the Charter and Municipal Code of the City of Bling, and to faithfully discharge the duties as police officer, to the best of my judgment and ability, I also affirm to uphold the Law Enforcement Code of Ethics the Blaine Police Department mission statement, and the department's core values. Thank you. All right, Officer Jansen. I'll let you say it anyway, but I have an idea who's going to do it, so. <laughs> Officer Will Jansen. We're going to call all four of you back up in just a minute here and get a picture with all of the council and everyone up here. I just uh, wanted to say a couple of things and before we wrap up. You know, we will have a reception uh, downstairs in the Mark Stack Room, so I ask you to all swing down and enjoy that and wish them congrats firsthand. Um, but I, again, I wanna thank the family members and all the friends that are here tonight. This means so much to us, it means so much to our community, and we try to make a big deal out of these because it is a big deal. As they take this oath tonight and they put that badge on, they understand that you know, they make a lot of sacrifices and furtherance for our community. And some of those sacrifices, we never know if we're gonna go home. And so to do that, to lay that down for this city means everything. 
And that's why this is so important for us as a community and so important for us as a city. We don't take that lightly. We don't take the sacrifices that you make as family members in giving them to us and sacrificing your time, whether it's holidays, birthdays, whatever it may be, uh, when that phone rings. So we thank you all for that, and we don't take that lightly. So one more time, I'd like to congratulate everyone before we do a picture. Thank you. As you can see, all your partners are here tonight, too. This means a lot to them. Um, I see some other officers from other departments as well. I mentioned where capacity is 81, we're at 77, so I was just saying. And uh, <laughs> we're always hiring, so <laughs> but come on up and we'll get a picture with the council here. So. All right, we would like to echo the words of the chief. We're uh, super, super impressed uh, with our new officers and all the officers that put on the badge to serve and protect our city. So we support you. We are grateful that you are a Blaine police officer and uh, just appreciate everything that, we, that you all do for us and keeping us safe. Thank you. All right, next on the agenda is communications, which is an opportunity for members of council or staff to present any announcements they might have for the good of the order. Are there any communications? Councilmember Fleming. All right, so um, I just finished Citizens Academy and graduated last week. Um, I really had no idea what to expect, and it was the most amazing experience that I think I've had in a really long time. I got to get a glimpse in just a small, small glimpse into what our police officers and our fire department has to do every day. Um, and I mean, I got to go up 90 feet in the bucket. Thankfully, I was, I have, I'm fear of heights. So I was buckled in and <laughs> strapped in and we got to shoot a taser and I mean, just so many cool things. It was so cool. Um, just things I never would have imagined, but just some of the trainings that they go through, we got to experience. Um, one of my favorites was the canine dog. Super cool, I didn't get to pet him though. I was kind of bummed. Um, but what? Said so they're working. Yes. Well, yeah. So it was a really cool. It was very, very cool. Um, but what really amazed me was the dedication that our fire department and our police department have to our citizens. 
they literally volunteer their time. Um, not just the nights that they're there, but they literally, like you said, they start planning the day after graduation. And so I would encourage anyone in the city of Blaine to please go through Citizens Academy. I think it would just, it's just invaluable. I'm signing my husband up already. He doesn't know it, but I am. Yep. So anyway, I just shout out. It was, it was amazing. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Fleming. It was, I had the privilege of being at graduation. The, the candidates, the, the graduates of Citizens Academy, very impressive. Just a great, a great uh, introspective of our community. So it was fantastic. Any other communications? Councilmember Masolia. Just a quick reminder to vote tomorrow. If you haven't voted early, we have school board elections. And thank you to Kathy and all the city staff and everybody who works hard for um, you know making sure that our elections go smoothly. So uh, get out and vote tomorrow if you haven't voted early already. So great reminder, Councilmember Masolia. Thank you. Any other announcements? All right, seeing and hearing none, we'll move along in the agenda to the open forum. The open forum is an opportunity for the public to present an issue or concern to the city council. There's a maximum of 15 minutes set aside for the open forum. Each presentation should be limited to no more than three minutes to allow everyone the opportunity to speak. If your item needs follow-up from the city, staff will connect with you uh, and follow up with you and let you know what is being done on that issue. Uh, just so everyone knows, there is also a public hearing on agenda item 9.1. If you're here to speak on agenda item 9.1, you can do it during 9.1 and not during the open forum uh, as well. So with that being said, anyone here that wishes to speak on any other issue, uh, please feel free to stand on up and come to the podium to participate in the open forum. Anyone here for the open forum? Going once, going twice. All right. With that, we will uh, move along in the agenda then and close the open forum. Move along to approval of the consent agenda. All items listed under the consent agenda are considered to be routine by the city council and be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate discussion of an item unless a member of council or resident requests, in which case it will be removed from the consent agenda and placed on its normal sequence on the agenda. With that being said, members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Newland. Mayor, I'll need to abstain from the schedule bills paid for uh, October 13th. Thank you, Councilmember Newland. I'll have the city clerk note that. Any other questions or discussion on approval of the consent agenda? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of approval of the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Moving along, we are now on agenda item nine, which is public hearings. We have agenda item 9.1, and we will turn things over to the city clerk for a presentation. Thank you, Mayor, uh, city council members. Um, this legislative session, Minnesota adopted a new law legalizing adult use cannabis. Along with legalizing cannabis, the legislature adopted a series of laws that's going to create um, licensing for cannabis businesses and hemp businesses and creating the Office of Cannabis Management. Um, importantly for cities, um, th that law allowed some local control by cities. Um, retail sales of these new products are expected to begin in 2025. There are many local control options that the council could consider in advance of retail sale and manufacture of cannabis and hemp products. And to ensure that the city has time to study and consider these reasonable restrictions on time, place, and manner, 
of operation, an interim ordinance can be used to prohibit any new retail and manufacturing cannabis businesses from starting operations until 2025 of January. The interim ordinance may be repealed earlier um, if adopted, uh, should council elect to do so. It should be noted that cannabis businesses and hemp businesses are currently prohibited in the state until this Office of Cannabis Management begins issuing licenses. Um, to clarify, the Office of Cannabis Management will issue the license. The cities will be able to um, approve where the licenses are going to be issued. Um, but it's not the city that's going to be licensing or issuing the actual licenses. Um, but at the time, since we don't know the time yet and when that um, licensing will begin with the state, um, many cities are considering protecting the planning process by safeguarding uh, the process under an interim ordinance. Uh, it should be noted that the sale of uh, cannabinoids that are currently occurring right now um, throughout the state, they will not be impacted by this interim ordinance if it's adopted or not. That will still continue. Um, council may recall that the smoking policy for city parks was amended August 1st um, when uh, adult use cannabis was um, um, legalized in order just to restrict the use of cannabis and hemp in public places um, within the city such as parks and trails. Uh, the topic of this was discussed at a workshop in uh, September. Majority of the council was supportive of bringing this forward at this time and as of um, End of May, 80 cities and five counties have adopted similar moratoriums, which definitely has increased um, um, since um, May, once the legislative session finished and the law actually went into place. So the action tonight would be to open the public hearing, which is required by law in order to discuss the um, consideration of a moratorium, take public comment, then close, first, uh, close the hearing, and then hold first reading, if that is what council wishes to do. And staff is here for questions. Thank you. Thank you very much to our city clerk. Uh, this time we're going to have our city attorney uh, speak on this issue as well. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of council. Um, before opening the public hearing, we just wanted to ensure that we provide some clarity as to what is being considered here. Um, I think our city clerk did a fine job of, of summarizing um, the situation. But essentially, as everyone's aware, the Minnesota legislature uh, this year did legalize the adult use cannabis. And in doing so, they established the Office of Cannabis Management, who will be charged with putting together the rules and issuing the licenses. No cannabis business under Chapter 342 can operate in the state of Minnesota until the Office of Cannabis Management puts forth the licensing scheme and issues out those licenses. What this does is it puts in place a moratorium on those cannabis businesses under the new statute um, which will um, put a pause on any business coming in and starting operations within the city of Blaine, allowing the city to evaluate our zoning restrictions as to where we may want to have these types of facilities, uh, both manufacturing and retail, uh, located within our city to protect our planning process and um, give consideration to that zoning scheme. What this does not do is it does not impose any restriction on businesses that are currently legally operating, um, which includes, uh, as our city clerk said, businesses currently selling those low potency uh, edible that were approved in the 2022 20, uh, legislative session. Those can continue to operate. 
And not only that, but new businesses, we're not putting a moratorium on those 2022 edible operations. It's only things under the adult use cannabis, uh, which is that chapter 342. The final thing I'll note, um, and then certainly I'll be available to answer questions or provide clarity as needed, is, um, as our city clerk said, the ordinance is being enacted under chapter 342. It is proposed to go until January 1st, 2025. The reason it's going until January 1st, 2025 is because that's what the um, state statute allows us to extend to. At any time, the city council will have the right and the authority to lift the moratorium and end it. And so we put it out as far as, as we did just to make sure that we have the time and can get everything done. If the state starts issuing licenses, and we anticipate that's not going to be until 2025, but there's no reason why the state couldn't do it sometime in 2024, or technically they could even do it right now if they were you know, organized enough to do it. Um, if the state starts issuing licenses, if we're comfortable with our zoning code, or once we're comfortable with our zoning code, we can bring this back and lift it at that time. We don't need to wait the entire term. Um, it's to the discretion of council as to how you want to proceed. So I think those are the major points to keep in mind with regards to what this moratorium does and what it does not do. Um, and like I said, I'm happy to answer any further clarifying questions um, that may come from the public or the council. Excellent. Thank you, Attorney Lunin. Really appreciate that. Uh, as the, for the process that the clerk uh, outlined at this point in time, I will open a public hearing on agenda item 9.1. Uh, would ask that each person please limit their, uh, their speech to three minutes or less to allow everyone the opportunity to speak. Uh, but at this time, we will open the public hearing. If there's anyone that's interested in speaking, they can work their way towards the podium. Is there anyone here that wishes to speak? Excellent. Good evening, sir. Welcome. If you would, please give us your name and address for the record and proceed with your comments. My name is Jeff Taylor. I live here in Blaine, 2467, 121st Circle. Um, <clears throat> the reason I wanted to talk, I listened to everything that um, the attorney said. Um, I've been involved a lot with the state in this bill being passed. I'm actually a... a one of the biggest, if not the biggest, manufacturing distributor here in the state of Minnesota, and I'm right here in your guys' back, backyard. I've been in your guys' backyard for the last two years. Um, we've not had any problems here. Um, I would like to invite anybody here on the council down to uh, look at our establishment, walk through it, be educated. Um, I've called and left a few messages, and nobody's reached out back. Again, some of the reasons why I would love for you guys to come down and this is only an assumption, but I'm assuming half the people up here don't know anything about THC and about, you know, marijuana. Um, the, one of the things that, the way that I understand it is if we put a moratorium in place, um, we have to pay for a study to be done. And I don't know if that's smart, smart money being spent by our city. I, again, I live here and I pay taxes here. I don't think it's going to change anything because they're not going to give any licenses for the next year. So us putting a moratorium, nothing is going to change because no dispensaries are going to be opening here in the next year. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons. And again, the other reason is I'm here to offer for you guys to come down and again, be educated. I'm not here to change your mind on going forward, who's going to go where, how they're going to give licenses. Um, a lot of us on our side don't want to become Denver. That was one of my biggest things that I was doing down at the state. I don't want to be Denver. I don't want to be California. I have three children also. Um, 
so again, I don't know how they're going to do the licensing. Maybe somebody that has lived here a long time in the community because then they'll care about it. I don't know. That's what you guys are going to have to decide. But I just want you to be educated on what the product does to somebody. I could sit here for hours and tell you the benefits of it, but that's not why I'm here today. But if you guys would like to come down and see how everything operates behind the scenes, um, that might give you some future um, education on how you're going to license people and where they should be in the city. You know, but I'm again. I'm right here in your guys' background, and I don't even think anybody knows that. Um, I don't. I don't put a sign up on our building because I don't want everybody to know that it's there. I don't want anybody to break in or anything like that. But we're a manufacturer and a distributor right here in your guys' backyard, and I'd love to have some of you guys down and just see what we actually do, and it might give you an idea on where to put future people. So. I already, I, I, one last thing, I did speak to Leslie and I gave her my information. She's not here tonight, but I spoke with her today and gave her all of my information and she's going to set up a time and talk to you guys on, uh, set up something where you can come down to our establishment and look through everything. And so, again, that's why I'm here. I would love to speak to you in the future if there's any questions or anybody needs to be educated about anything because I don't know everything, but I've, I've been down to the state quite a few times and I probably know more than the average person. So if I can help, I'm here. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much for your comments. Really appreciate it. Is there anyone else here that wishes to participate in the public hearing on this agenda item? Come on down, sir. Good evening and welcome. If you would, please just name an address for the record. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor, uh, the General uh, Council of Blaine, and everyone attending. My name's Talib Wazwaz. I apologize. I live in Maple Grove. Okay. But I do all my business in Blaine uh, from E6 Smoke Shop, and I managed E6 Zone before, and now we're running uh, KUKA, which we do manufacture the beeswax hemp product. So we've been doing it three years. It started as an experiment, and I was the, what they call the guinea pig to experiment everything. Uh, so I think the one, con one thing I want to point out is when you mention the word cannabis or marijuana, think to the most average American who's in the 30 years and older, the first thing that comes to their, their mind is teaching Chong, the 70s, the 60s kind of feeling where everybody is toned. But I think right now that time has passed. I think right now the whole industry is not focused on just entertainment. Even Las Vegas, just the entertainment industry has changed. It's became more of medical. And I am speaking on someone who's been using it for three years. I have uh, inflammation, which I've tried many top-rated uh, uh, you know, medication, which didn't help. It came with more side effect than the treatment itself. But using hemp THC product does help me a lot. And I also, from my use and experience and knowledge, I help a lot of customers, okay, shift away from opiate dependence, which they used to, like, crave on, buy it illegally, do anything to get it where they can come right now talk like a pharmacist, which is basically uh, my, my partner, and Jeff's also my partner. And we help them. And I think the city of Blaine, which we are here for, if they can like work with us to make this licensing more feasible for us, and how they're going to manage it, like you know, Jeff mentioned, is it going to be just for who's got the more money from other states or other cities, or is it just mainly you want to help promote Minnesota, but primarily Blaine for Blaine, you know, the people who's been with you for years. And we are right now following the state guidelines, charging 
Minnesota recreation fee, which part of it also goes to the state and the city. So we need your support to help us because we are not focused on the entertainment recreation. We are more into the medical part, which a lot of the stuff, the edible and everything, most customers use, and we're talking about from 30 years old up to 70, 75, they come to our shop to use it. So I would like you to consider and make it, like I said, acceptable for the businesses that's doing it, for the customers who are depending on it, and also for the financial you know, benefit where customers can buy something legally, pay sales tax, then go get it on the street from illicit you know, opiates. That helps them a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your comments. Thank you. Anyone else here this evening that wishes to participate in the public hearing? All right, not seeing anyone rush up to the front here. I will close the public hearing at this point in time. And uh, as the city clerk laid out, this is just the first reading, uh, so no action will be taken this evening on it. It will happen at a future council meeting, but at this point in time, the clerk will give it its first reading. First reading, Ordinance 23-2532, an interim ordinance prohibiting the operation of cannabis businesses and hemp businesses in the city of Blaine. First reading. Moving along in the agenda to go ahead, City Manager Wolf. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just there was something mentioned about high, uh, doing a study, and I just thought I would, that we could ask uh, our city clerk to clarify um, regarding a, a study as under the moratorium. Uh, yes, sure. Th thank you, Mayor and Council. Just to, to clarify, um, uh, the study would be conducted um, if this uh, is ultimately adopted. The study would be uh, conducted um, by city staff. Uh, we would not be working with an outside um, agency or, or firm to do that. We would be able to, to do that. And, and again, just, just the reason for it would be just to um, allow the city and the state to kind of catch up a little bit and um, just on how to address uh, this law, how many, where, um, those types of questions. So, so just like um, uh, Mr. Wazwa said, you know, just wanted to have some of that uh, data and that input for you so as you make those decisions with regard to where and how many you'd like in the city ultimately so thank you excellent thank you very much for that uh, appreciate that and I certainly would welcome the opportunity to come uh, look at your establishment and have a conversation with you that'd be great thank you for the invitation uh, we'll move along in the agenda to agenda item 10 which is development business we will start with agenda item 10.1 thank Go you our city Mayor. planner City Council, um, item 10.1 is a request for a conditional use permit for zero lot line with shared access and parking for existing property at 55187 Lane, uh, known as Rainbow Village. Uh, the property is zone B3 and property to the south is also zone B3 and to the north and east it is zoned um, R1 and developed with single family residential. In December of 2022, a preliminary plat was created um, which created two lots. Um, the yellow line kind of shows you uh, where the lot line is. A condition of approval for that preliminary plat was that they need to apply uh, for a conditional use permit for a zero lot line and shared access uh, for parking and for shared parking. No new development is proposed at this time. All access will remain the same. Uh, the public hearing for this item was held on October 14th Planning Commission. The Planning Commission recommends approval and staff recommends approval with two conditions listed in the staff report. I'd be happy to answer any questions. 
Thank you very much, Sheila. I appreciate the presentation. Members of motion, please, on agenda item 10.1. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Masolia. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, thanks, Sheila. I know you said that there's no new development plan. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what the plan is here. Seems like obviously there's some movement going on on the property. We have some guests. Um, is there any update about why we need to be doing this preliminary plat and, you know, what the future plans are for this parcel? City planner. Mr. Mayor, um, at the time that the plat was created, uh, the ownership was looking to sell and they were looking to sell um, the rainbow box itself to one entity and then the, the strip center itself to another entity. Um, I believe this time it will be one ownership, um, but that's why the plat was created so that one could own one parcel, the other one could own the other. They needed that um, for their legality um, to own both part or each parcel. Um, right now, I don't have any applications or permits in um, for anything new except for the pickler, which was approved um, previously uh, with a conditional use permit for the indoor pickleball. They have applied for their building permit, but other than that, I don't have any new applications in at this time. Councilmember Masoli. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Do you foresee, I mean, any issues with approving this parking agreement and the access until we know, you know, what's going on here? City planner. Mr. Mayor, uh, no, not at this time. I mean, it's pretty standard. Um, we have a lot lying down the middle of a property due to do the shared parking and access. Um, right now, the um, owner is willing to give that access agreement, um, so I don't see any issues with that. All right, thank you. Any other questions or discussion? Councilmember Soroya. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so just to expand on that, Sheila, and I understand that this is not bringing back the rainbow apartments and that issue, but can you just clarify and put on the record that this will not open up um, the possibility of putting apartments in that location? City planner. Mr. Mayor, that is correct. At this time, we're looking for a conditional use permit for a zero lot line shared access and parking for the existing structures. Nothing new is proposed. Any other questions or discussion? Councilmember Robertson. Thank you, Mayor. You know, we talk a lot amongst, you know, some of our other departments and other entities that it's difficult sometimes to navigate, and it is our job to give tools to the individuals that are trying to get stuff done. I don't know what it is about that Rainbow Property Man. I don't know if it's haunted. I don't know what. That is the most challenging property that exists in our city, really. I mean, it really is. And um, this seems like a pretty minimal housekeeping sort of thing. I think we... change is scary and we know that um, but to my colleague's question I know that this is not an apartment ploy by all means this is really just housekeeping on something we basically already approved we already approved splitting the two plats splitting Northtown separate from the rest of the mall so this is just housekeeping and it's not anything that we haven't done in other areas like uh, that big dipper area has shared parking with the with the roadside it's not an uncommon thing I just didn't want it to seem like we're trying to in the dark of night, sneak something in there. It's not that at all. This is really basically just a housekeeping item. But thank you for being patient, Jonathan, and I'm glad that you're finding the ability to generate some interest in that area. So we wish all the best for you guys. 
Thank you. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next up is 10.2. We'll go back to our city planner. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, item 10.2 is a preliminary plat extension of a plat that created two outlots and platted right away for Zest Street at the southwest corner of 125th and Lexington. Uh, the property is zone B5, and as the preliminary plat has subdivided into two lots, outlot A, which is 10.04 acres, and outlot B, which is 27.12 acres. No development is proposed at this time. The preliminary plat was approved on December 5th of 2022, and the applicant is requesting a one-year extension. Uh, they have extended their purchase agreement, and they need time for the endangered species study to be completed, and that does require the DNR approval. Um, they continue to work out the utility and road um, extensions with the city and within um, the development team. Uh, staff recommends approval of a one-year extension, which would extend the preliminary plat to December 5th of 2024, uh, and then they would still need to come forward with the final plat. Thank you very much for that presentation, Sheila. Uh, members of motion, please, on 10.2. Moved by Councilmember Masolia. Second. Second by Councilmember Newland. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Masolia. Yeah, one of the things that jumped out to me when I was looking at this was 18 preliminary plat extensions have been granted going back to 2007. Is that, I mean, of any concern here with, I mean, how long do we keep ex ex expanding this until something happens or? Uh, Mr. Mayor? City planner. Um, Councilmember Masolia, we have our code allows you one year to come forward with your final plat. Um, some... Developers need a little bit time, more time to figure out their financing. Um, sometimes there's right of way, sometimes there's access issues. It really depends. Um, I don't really think it's a concern. Some cities have a code where it's two years. It's actually in their code that you have two years to come forward with the final plat. Uh, I don't really see a concern with it. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I hope they can uh, do, uh, do the project soon and, and get this completed. Excellent. Thank you. Councilmember Robertson. Thank you, Mayor. Again, talking about tools in the toolbox that the city has to maintain relationships with developers and people that are interested in investing in our community. This is really, again, kind of a housekeeping thing. There is no plan. Again, I want to be super clear. This is an area that council worked about six to nine months on creating a brand new zoning. So this zoning that you see B5 only exists here on this corner. Currently, there's not housing allowed in there. So I just want to be clear for the public. There's no magic trick that we're going to come in in the in the dark of night and squeeze gazillions of homes in there. It's nothing like that. And actually, if you look at it, it's plotted into outlot A and outlot B. Outlot B is the retail component of that project. Um, without disclosing things we're not supposed to disclose, the community will be happy with what this project is. We've seen some very preliminary drawings. It is difficult to work with multiple layers of government it's not the city that is like hey you have endangered plant species that's the dnr so that's dealing with the state and then on top of that they have to deal with the watersheds which is more layers of government so i think us allowing him that time because i if i'm understanding correctly this is a local resident that owns this property as well so um again this is just another tool that we can deploy as a city to engage the right kind of development and the right kind of projects for our community so just to be clear 
Councilmember Masolia. Yeah, and just to avoid any confusion, because um, there is, we have seen plans for this parcel, and we have workshop that. So um, hopefully it can all come together and uh, be expedited. And uh, excited to see what happens on this corner for sure. But just to clarify, there we have workshop plans for this. So excellent. Any other questions or discussion, Councilmember Soroya? So just so I'm clear, so we're not approving, there's no development proposal, but so what does this allow for? Will this allow for the development proposal then to come forward? What would be the next step on this if this is approved? City planner. Mr. Mayor, um, Councilmember Soroya, they would still need to come forward with a final plat approval. Right now this is showing us where the dedication of Zest Street will go, and this helps us um, to confirm what the development will be and what the connections and what the city participation will be in any road extensions that are with this project. Um, so again, they would still need to come forward with final plat approval uh, for anything that they want to do here. Imagine if they're going to do any other types of subdivision, you'll see that in any conditional use permits, you will see that as well. Okay, and just to, thank you, Sheila, just to follow up on that. Um, so I'm really serious about, you know, balancing the interests of developers with the interests of our community. And we've heard over and over in our community that we don't want more apartments. You know, we already have seen an increase in population. There's this huge issue. And I feel like the distrust that exists in some um, neighborhoods in some areas, it's based on decisions that have been made on this council. Um, not by all of us here, but so there is some legitimacy there. So I just want to make sure that what we're doing here is extremely transparent and it doesn't open up any doors to things that our community and our constituents would not be in support of. So that, that's where this is coming from. Um, so just to be very transparent and clear, um, are there going to be apartments in this project. I know there's no formal proposal, but is that part of the um, the ideas and what's being discussed right now? City planner. Mr. Mayor, uh, at this time, council has dialogued some different development for this parcel. The B5 district does not allow multifamily. Um, what you have before you is a plat, like you have said, Councilmember Soroya, no application has come forward, so tonight you are not considering an apartment. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? No. Motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is agenda item 10.3. And we'll go back to the city planner. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Item 10.3 is a conditional use permit for 2,456 square feet of accessory buildings and an accessory building in the front yard for property located at 12600 Zybeck Street Northeast. Um, the subject property and the surrounding parcels are zoned farm residential and are occupied by large lot homes. The subject site is 4.76 acres. Uh, as stated, they do have a detached garage and then three accessory structures. Uh, so that total for those um, accessory buildings are 2,456 square feet. So a conditional use permit is needed for the number and the square footage. Uh, also for the front yard, um, there is an existing 
accessory building in the front yard. Um, the next slide shows some pictures of what is there. The front yard is, uh, shed is visible from the street and will need to be painted to match the house. That is something that we do require of all of our accessory buildings that we can see from the street or they do need to be consistent um, with the house itself. Um, the rear yard sheds are screened from the view um, off the property and we are recommending that those stay as they are. Um, there are some modifications that need to be made by June 30th of 2024 if the conditional use permit is approved. Um, the 600 square foot rear yard shed um, should attain uh, proper permits and receive a final inspection and the one-to-one -one floodplain compensation with an as-built survey. So if that is required, um, they may have to change um, something with their elevation. Uh, the 240 square foot uh, front yard shed uh, is just painted to match the home and then since it is over 10 years old, staff recommends that they schedule an inspection with the building inspector and then complete any needed corrections on that building. Uh, the Planning Commission held a public hearing on October 14th and recommended approval and staff recommends approval of five conditions listed in the staff report. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much for that presentation. Members in motion please on 10.3. I'll move it. Moved by Councilmember Masolia. Second. second by Councilmember Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Moving along, next up is 10.4. Go ahead, Sheila. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'll review items 10.4 and 10.6 together as they're all related to the same development. Uh, this is an application that is or an application for a preliminary plat to create three lots, a conditional use permit for shared access and zero lot line split, and a variance to the front yard setback along 113th Avenue for Blaine Crossings too. Uh, the property and neighboring um, commercial properties are zone B3 regional commercial. Um, to the north is Bolero and to the south is the garage store and tire um, businesses. And then um, single family homes with a variety of zonings are across uh, Ulysses Street. Um, the subject site uh, currently has one building that is, um, has dominoes and stem builders within it. Uh, they are providing additional right away along 113th and Ulysses. They're meeting the building and parking setbacks, except for the parking setback on uh, South Side, which is 113th Avenue. Uh, the property was platted in 2006, and a condition use permit was approved uh, for two buildings on one lot in 2007. Um, our code defines a front, side, and rear yard, which have different setback requirements and limits any individual lot up to two front yards. Uh, at that time of the subdivision and condition use permit, the east and west were designated as front yards and the south was designated as a side yard. Uh, the proposed plat does result in each lot having no more than two yards abutting roads, uh, which is what was required, and the southern property line would become the front lot lines. Uh, so the variance that is requested is that our code does require a 30-foot setback uh, on the south side. Uh, they're requesting a 10-foot variance to allow a 20-foot setback, and then that setback would match what is currently there with the current parking lot. Um, and then this would allow the parking lot to expand onto lots one and two. Uh, the va variance criteria is met for this application, and specifically I wanted to mention that um, this variance is required due to the hardship of the designation of the southern property line, changing from a side yard to a front yard. And there is no material difference in the development from the original proposal of the multiple buildings on a lot 
uh, to multiple buildings um, on the lot with shared access. Uh, the request for the shared access is very typical of commercial areas, and we just approved one previously to this. Um, the applicant should be aware that the submitted landscape plan does not meet the landscaping requirements, which are listed in the staff report, um, and the applicant is aware of that. Um, staff does recommend approval of the conditional use permit, the variance, and the preliminary plat with the conditions listed in the staff report. Planning Commission did hold a public hearing on October 10th. There were no comments uh, at the public hearing, and the Planning Commission also recommends approval. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much for that presentation. Uh, on 10.4, 10.5, and 10.6, we will take these one at a time. We will start with 10.4. Members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland. Second. Second by Councilmember Masolia. Questions or discussion on 10.4? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Members of motion, please, on 10.5. Mayor, I'll also move that one. Second. By Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Last in this packet is 10.6. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland. Second. Second by Councilmember Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Next up is agenda item 10.7. Go back to our city planner. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I would like to review item 10.7 and 10.8 at the same time. Item 10.7 is a text amendment to our comp plan to create the MDR slash CC district, which is medium density residential and community commercial. And then item 10 point is a comp, is a comp plan amendment. Um, the, the properties that are outlined here in red are what the proposal is um, before you tonight. Um, the comp plan change is part of our um, short-term action steps that have been identified in the Northtown District Vision Plan that the Council adopted in July of uh, 2022, and zoning changes are forthcoming. Um, just a little bit of a history. Um, again, we adopted the Northtown Plan in um, July of 20, er, 2022, and 2023. Three, we did have a winter retreat and we reviewed and discussed Northtown as a whole and the adopted plan. And then we've had four land use discussions at workshop. Um, we do have a development moratorium in place until May of 2024. And then zoning discussions have been, are started and are ongoing at this point. Uh, so the proposed changes that you see before you on the map is the um, going from HGR to PC, which um, is high density residential plan commercial, to MDR CC, which is medium density residential um, community commercial, uh, kind of in the reddish on your left side and then kind of in the pink on the right side. And then also to change from community commercial to medium density um, slash community commercial, um, that's for the Rainbow Village site. And then to change from community commercial to HDR2 slash PC uh, plan commercial. So the land use categories for the medium density residential slash community commercial, so MDR slash CC, um, is a density of 6 to 12 units an acre. And the uses that are included in this land use category are single family homes, 
um, or attached single family homes, such as quad homes and town homes, and big box retail, commercial centers, um, offices, uh, restaurants, whatever we typically allow in our community commercial. And the scale for that is um, a mix. So uh, anything that is medium density residential community commercial would be a 50% residential and 50% um, commercial. The land use category for HDR2 slash plan commercial has a density of 12 to 6 units an acre. And the uses that are included in that district, um, this is an existing district in our, our comp plan, are townhomes, apartments, condominiums, co-ops, and then commercial within, um, with a mix of retail um, and part of a planned master development. And this is kind of our true mixed use um, district that allows for um, residential and commercial. Um, the expected residential component for this land use designation is 25%. So you'd have a 25% residential component and then 75% would have to be made up of commercial. Um, the Northtown Mall uh, is under new ownership with fourth dimension properties and that was bought in August of 2023. Um, the land use designation at this time is staying as co um, community commercial and um, this is an ongoing part of our rezoning discussion. Um, staff is suggesting keeping this at community commercial because we know that the mall ownership is planning to do some further investment in the property and we wanna be a true partner with them. Um, and so going forward, we would take their um, comprehensive land use changes based on what their developments are proposed and we do it at that time. However, we would like to keep this as part of our rezoning, but those are for future conversations. Um, the changes that we are proposing are generally consistent with the Northtown plan that the council adopted in July of 2022. Um, the changes um, that you see before you tonight do meet the goals of our comprehensive plan. Um, the Planning Commission held a public hearing on October 10th and recommend approval, and staff recommends approval as well. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much for that presenta uh, presentation, Sheila. Appreciate it. Members, a motion, please, on 10.7. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Fleming. Questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion on 10.7, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Members of motion, please, on 10.8. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Fleming. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Masolia. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I don't know if this would be best for Eric or Sheila. I know as part of our um, density shift conversation, we talked about moving some of the high density down to Northtown here in this HDR PC. Um, when are we going to be changing the land use designation for some of those other properties that we discussed uh, changing from high density to either medium or low density? Mr. Mayor, Thorvig. Mr. Mayor, Councilman Mersoy, we did talk about four other areas in the last three or four months, if you recall, and we can't move forward with any of those proposed changes until this occurs, so we actually know what the change in this area would be, because there's calculations that we have to make with the Met Council just to understand where our unit mix is, and so um, if this is approved tonight, I think you'd anticipate seeing those in the near future to try to move the council recommendations on those four other properties. So I would say that it would come um, maybe before the end of the year, but if not um, right away in 2024, just depending on our planning commission schedule. Awesome. Thank you, Director Thorvik. 
Very good. Any other questions or discussion? Councilmember Soroya. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so I think the only concern I have with this is um, the community commercial to high-density residential um, planned commercial. Um, so could you, either Eric or Sheila, just for the community to just be aware, where specifically um, are we talking about um, the possibility of high-density residential? City planner. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Council Member Soroya, what we're looking to change um, to the HDR to PC is kind of in the, the yellow um, area, and that would be um, right now currently um, U.S. Bank is there, Chase is there, um, MGM, Liquor, Taco Bell, and then um, further east is the Walgreens and North Court Commons. So right now those are all fully developed parcels. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Moving the, uh, along in the agenda, we'll move on to administration, agenda item 11. First up is agenda item 11.1. We'll go to uh, Director Thorvig. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council. I'll just go over a brief overview of some background information and then get into the details of the actions that are before you this evening. Uh, but there are current agreements in place that identify various mechanisms for the Minnesota Amateur Sports Commission or MASC to lease land to the 105th Master Developer. These are agreements that we went over at the October 26, 2023 meeting, so you're familiar with the terms and how those play out. And one of the things that was contemplated in those agreements is that the city would consider financing of up to $12 million for installation of 10 lit turf fields at the National Sports Center campus. And then the debt service for that $12 million would be paid for via tax abatement from new taxable development um, and value created by the developer in our 105th district. Uh, it's important to note that issuance of that debt would not formally uh, occur until early 2024. There are still conversations and details that we are working through, um, but it's important for council to know the timeline on that action. <clears throat> the site control agreement that was approved at the October 16th meeting identified the relationship between the city and the NSC as it relates to the installation of the turf field construction. And really the city and NSC are working hand in hand, mainly because the NSC are the experts in how to build and install turf fields. And if the city ultimately finances this project, uh, we have the financial oversight. So um, again, it's a partnership between the city and NSC. In addition to that, though it's not outlined in the documents, the developer will play a role in that as well, uh, mainly from an engineering standpoint, because if the NSC is moving dirt and installing fields on the north side, that needs to match up with the de development that could happen to adjacent to it. So all three parties are really involved um, in this process. Uh, the site control agreement did identify that the construction contract for the installation of the turf fields would need to be entered into by March 31st, 2024. Uh, with that said, as I outlined at the last meeting, the NSC does desire to start certain work this fall and complete the overall project, which includes those 10 lit fields by the fall of 2024. And in order to do that and be on that timeline, they would need to start certain work this fall, and I'll get into the details of what that work would be. Uh, in October, the NSC, in coordination with the city, did prepare a request for proposals uh, to contractors to complete this project. And a bid was received by Dimke Excavating uh, in the amount of a little over $11.5 million. 
Uh, any remaining funds in that would be set aside as contingency. Council is familiar with contingencies with road projects just for any anticipate, unanticipated costs that may occur. And it's important to note that that bid was based on the installation of 10 lit turf fields, uh, but then it does anticipate the timeline of it beginning this fall and completion in about a year from now. So here's a map showing the NSC campus, the work that would begin this fall would occur on fields 55 and 56, which, which are in that lower right-hand corner. What the NSC is also doing this fall is they're doing an irrigation project on fields 1 through 24 in the northwest corner of their project. And what they want to do is basically scrape the dirt from fields 55 and 56 and blend that with fields 9 through 12. Those are some of their worst conditioned fields and by introducing new dirt they can reseed in the spring and have better playability on those fields. So that would be the work that would be completed this fall and then starting in the spring of 2024 uh, turf would be installed on those two fields 55 and 56 and then after the USA Cup so late summer fall of 2024 turf would be installed on fields 25 and 30 25 through 32 which is on the north side. So all of this work would be completed roughly a year from now. So there are two <clears throat> actions that the council is to consider this evening. The first is the construction contract. And a few things to note with that, the city is not actually entering into the contract that will be between the National Sports Center Foundation and DIMKE. Uh, but in our documents that we approved a couple meetings ago, we did reserve the right to review and approve that contract to make sure that it was consistent with with anything that we have and, and make sure that it's um, legal on our side as we would be the ultimate financer of this project if that bond financing is approved. So our legal team and myself have reviewed those documents and are comfortable with them. Uh, there was an addendum that is part of your packet that our legal staff added to that. And that addendum identified different phasings for this project. And it breaks it out into two phases. Phase one is for that earthwork to be completed this fall. And it's anticipated this would be an up to cost of $500,000. Um, if weather doesn't permit and they don't get all of that work done and, and that total is only $200,000, that would be what would be provided. So it's an up to amount and it's metered based on the amount of work that they're able to complete. Phase two is for the remainder of the project for that $11.5 million, um, which would include the additional site work, turf field installation. And it's important to note if the bond financing isn't ultimately approved by the city, this contract and construction agreement basically stops so that there is no funding for phase two, so therefore it would not move forward. So in addition to the construction agreement, there is the funding agreement, and this identifies that the city would be providing up to $500,000 of actual work completed by March 31st of 2024. Again, um, it could be less than that, but it's an up to number. And the way this is currently structured is that the bond financing is ultimately approved by the city, we would get reimbursed for this upfront payment. So if and when the bonds are approved, the initial outlay of cash provided by the city ahead of that bond issuance would be reimbursed with those bond proceeds. With that said, if the bond financing is ultimately not approved, the city would not be reimbursed for these costs. So there is a risk that the city is taking by providing these funds ahead of bond issuance. Um, and I want to make sure that that is transparent to the council. 
With that said, if the bond financing isn't approved, it's extremely important to note that the turf field installation would not happen because there would not be a funding source. And then this waterfall is into other impacts in the 105th development. And what this would mean, and this is identified in the agreement, if, if the financing isn't in place and the turf field installation cannot occur, the NSC and MASC would not enter into the ground lease with the developer and therefore they would not have control of the 16 acres of structures that are located on the MASC property. So even though these are individual actions, they do all tie into each other and it's important for the council to know that. Uh, in addition, the funding agreement does identify various draws of the funds on certain dates of the remaining 11.5 if that is <coughs> ultimately financed and approved. Excuse me. <coughs> And there are certain dates and requirements that we will have. We're going to be assisting in some of the inspections so that before we have some of those draws that are outlined, uh, we want to make sure that the work is actually complete because we would be financing the project. If the, uh, in a situation, if the city was not comfortable with that initial $500,000 outlay, the city is not obligated to approve that construction agreement until next spring, as I outlined earlier. Uh, with that said, the $11.5 million bid is based on construction beginning this fall and also procurement of the turf fields. Um, if we were to wait and rebid this either in the winter or spring, what it would do is it would push the project out to the spring of 2025 and it would likely result in higher pro procurement costs for the turf. So if the council did not enter into this agreement this evening, uh, would be rebid and the 11.5 million for the 10 lift turf fields could change. They may not be able to get 10 fields with the money available because turf may increase in costs. And then again, in addition to that, it would push the project completion out to the spring of 2025. Uh, one thing I would like to note on the $500,000 outlay initially is that we attempted to have this be the responsibility of the National Sports Center because they are the ones that uh, want to begin work this fall. And um, Mr. Ladd with the Sports Center can go into more detail into this, but they really don't have the capital available to do this on their own. And so what we then tried to do is structure this as a loan where if the city does not provide the bond financing that the NSC over a period of time would have to pay back that money. And the challenge with that is timing. And this was a concept that we discussed over the last couple of weeks. And in order for the NSC to enter into a loan, basically they would have to take it to their mask board, which would not allow for, they basically need to and want to start work this week pending this approval. And if they had to take that loan back to their board, it would likely push the project out into the spring of 2024. So the last side is the actions that are before you this evening. Again, you are considering approving the construction contract and funding agreement. I want to make sure the council is aware of some future actions that will be before you and future discussions that will occur. Uh, I worked with the city manager today, and we are hoping to have a workshop discussion next Monday to provide an update of where things are at with the project. There's a lot of moving pieces to this. Things are moving quickly, and so we felt it was time um, outside of the information that was shared with you a couple weeks ago on this evening that we provide an update at a workshop on where things are at. We're having conversations with the school district and the county on the tax abatement component. And so we want to update the council on that. And then in addition to that, on November 20th, which is two weeks from tonight, um, if the funding agreement is ultimately approved by the council tonight, 
Uh, what we would ask you to do is consider that reimbursement agreement for any upfront costs. So this is basically saying that if bonds are approved, the city would be reimbursed for those upfront costs. And then the actual money for that initial $500,000 would be coming from EDA cash on hand. And in order to account for that, we'd do an interfund loan where the EDA would provide that money to the council for that phase one work. And then one of the things that we've been discussing with the developer over the last couple of days is that they are gonna be, they have and will continue to be spending time and dollars on the creation of their plan. Uh, there's a lot of engineering and environmental work that they need to and want to start. Um, in addition to that, changes to their site plan. There are other negotiations and discussions going on. And the developer needs some surety and understanding of where the council stands on this overall financing picture. Uh, I have met with most of you individually, and I believe that you understand the mechanics and the concepts, but what staff needs along with the developer is just an understanding of what concerns do exist, if any, from this council on the, the package that I presented to you regarding the, the, the turf field financing and then for the other financing related to the other projects on the mask property. So we're going to be working with the developer to create some type of, we'll just call it a term sheet for now, which will really outline those roles and obligations, not only by the city, but the developer as well. Um, really probably over the next three to six months and then outline that financial package and then allow the council to identify any concerns that you may have um, and then have a dialogue with the developer so that they can hopefully address and um, manage any concerns that the council has. But it's really a good check-in point for everybody just to get an understanding together of where everybody stands on this project. So that, Mr. Mayor, we do have um, Corey Verstead and Rob Bader with the development team here and Neil Ladd as well. And then we have Eric Larson in the corner who's represented the city. As a reminder, he's with Eckberg Lammers and has a lot of experience in redevelopment with the St. Paul Port Authority, specifically related to sporting venues. And he's been critical to this and involved. So uh, if council has any questions, either of the four of them can assist in clarifying. Excellent, Director Thorvig. Really appreciate a very thorough and excellent presentation on this. Members, a motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Robertson. Questions or discussion? Councilmember Masolia. I will go if there's no other questions. Uh, first of all, really excited for this project. Um, I think adding the additional 16 acres to the 105th redevelopment area is going to be huge. Super excited for it. Um, so my question uh, is for phase one with this construction, um, you mentioned earthwork and resoiling the old fields. Is So this, this phase one construction, how much of this is for the new turf fields and how much of this is for resoiling what you currently have. Yep. <clears throat> All right, welcome Mr. Lab. Appreciate you being here this evening. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Councilmember Masolia. Thank you again for allowing me to come back uh, this evening. Uh, great question. Uh, the state of Minnesota is putting in 3.4 to 3.9 million into that irrigation project that uh, Mr. Thorvig mentioned earlier. To break it down, you're looking at about um, two fields worth of new construction, so 55 and 56 would ultimately be those new turf fields. The remaining portion of that would be on fields 9 through 12, which would be natural grass. Does that help? 
Councilmember Masolio. Yeah, so with the phase one, 55 and 56 would be starting to be constructed as turf. And then part of the phase one would also be resoiling other fields. Councilmember Masolio. Um, no, the 9 through 12 would be on that $3.9 million for the state of Minnesota asset preservation. The 500000 primarily comes out of the fields 55 and 56. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Any other questions? Councilmember Soroya. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so my question is around um, the city's role after the turf fields are completed. So let's say we approve this, it's completed, and there's maintenance required. So can you just clarify um, who's responsible for that, any liability issues that come up? What is the city's role in that? Director Thorvig. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, Councilmember so a good question. Um, so ultimately, of course, the fields are continue, going to continue to be owned by MASC and the NSC, and they will ultimately program them. The city will not have any role after construction is complete, either from a liability standpoint. Um, regarding maintenance, if you recall, uh, one of the agreements that was approved a couple weeks ago, if bond financing is ultimately approved and once those bonds are paid off after 15 years, the developer will continue to pay an annual fee of $300,000 that the city will collect. And one of the agreements, again, approved two weeks ago, funnels 200000 of that 300000 back to the National Sports Center annually. And what that allows for is the Sports Center to have a funding source for future maintenance. These fields, I think, have a life of 15 to 20 years, depending on the amount of play. So that times well with when the bonds would be retired in 16 years, they're going to start to be looking at the need to do additional asset preservation. So there would be an ultimate funding source provided from the developer to the National Sports Center starting in year 16 for, for maintenance or other things that may be needed at that campus 16 years from now. Any follow-up, Councilmember Soraya? No, thank you. That's really helpful. Um, and I just want to clarify, too, I, I agree. I think this is a good project for the city. Um, I know I voted no last time. And what just one point of clarification is that, um, you know, so the difference between, you know, the issue comes up between turf fields and grass fields. And, I'm, and thank you for adding the four grass fields. That's awesome. Um, but I think the thing to keep in mind here is that this is for, amateur sports. We're talking about youth soccer primarily, um, not professional sports, although they do practice there. and they, I understand they have a really great grass field that they utilize. Um, so I do support this. Um, I think this is great. I've had, I spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people over the past few weeks about this. Um, and so thank you for your meeting. And also um, the, I met with the developer I've met with, um, our representative Matt Norris, and understood his role in this, as well as some of our constituents. And I'm seeing a lot of just excitement and enthusiasm for this. So I, I do support this. Thank you. Councilmember Newland. Thank you, Mayor. I would uh, just take a moment and address the last question that Director Thorvig asked, and that is about the overall project itself. I have zero concerns on it. It seems like it's moving fast, but at the same token, it doesn't seem like it's moving fast enough. It, uh, from my perspective, started this summer, and when then Finance Director Huss talked about uh, abatement, I thought, well, this will be interesting to learn what that means. <laughs> Five months later, 
I'm very confident and comfortable with what the return on investment for the city is going to have, what the return is going to be for the National Sports Center, how this is going to work for the developer, and how this is going to work for the entire region. I think this is a absolute game changer for the city. And to understand the complexities and nuances that have been explained to me by uh, Director Thorvig and uh, Finance Director Zimmerman, as well as the mayor and the city manager, and it takes a lot of people to talk to me about things, but I do get it, <laughs> and it makes sense, and it is moving at the right time frame. It's moving at the right pace. Um, I'm all for it. I think that the sooner that this thing can get done, that we can start bringing these amenities that we've been talking about forever into the city, into the area, I'm excited about it. So I think this is dynamite. Thank you. Any other questions or discussion? Councilmember Robertson. I mean, I'll just make a comment. I have made the same comment, I think, every time this has been before us. This is, to your point, an absolute game changer for the city and for the region. And, you know, since we have most of our, like, extra team here in the room, honestly, thank you to you guys. You guys have put in a lot of extra time. And I think I've mentioned before, the things that we're being asked to dialogue and be semi-experts on are things that we've never seen here in the city and probably in this region, quite honestly. So very grateful for your expertise, because I know St. Paul was more of a dumpster fire than this is, and we're avoiding the dumpster fire. But this is all about partnerships. It's not just about the city of Blaine. It's about the NSC. And thank you, Neil, for taking extra time to hang out with our council members and show them all the behind the scenes of the facility and why turf fields make you guys a better and more competitive sports facility. So I think there's so many moving pieces. You know, thank you for choosing Blaine. Thank you for investing your time. And to your point, it seems like we're not moving fast enough. The slower we move, the more money it costs everyone else. But I do know from what I have heard, because I, you know, we are working and dialoguing with the best of the best in every field, in the financing field the legal team, the design team, the development team, they are the best of the best. And so I think this is a really, really exciting time for the city of Blaine. And yeah, I think as a council, I think for the most, well, all of us, I mean, we're all in. This is long-term impact that's beyond 10, 15, 20 years. So it's it's very, very exciting. So thanks for sticking it out with this, guys. Well, we, we're on training wheels trying to learn even a fraction of what the heck it is y'all do. So thank you for being patient with us as well. Excellent. Thank you again. Thank you to everyone who has worked so much and put in so many hours on uh, getting to this point of the deal, selecting contracts or getting these contracts into place. Uh, thank you very much for your leadership, Neil, as well. And uh, let's get some earth moving tomorrow. All right. Will do, Mr. Mayor. All right. Thank you very much. With that being said, all those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Thank you all. Next time on the agenda, 11.2, we'll go back to Director Thorvig. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council. This is an item to renew our contract with Intuitive Municipal Solutions, and I'm going to only say that once and refer to IMS from here on out. <laughs> um, but just a little background on this program. In 2018, we began exploring options to convert our permit software to a digital platform. And we went through an RFP process. Our old software was getting outdated. It wasn't being supported anymore. So um, with a team between building and community standards, we identified what our needs were and then went through an RFP process. And at that time, the council ultimately selected IMS as our preferred vendor for this. 
And we entered into a five-year contract in February of 2019. That contract expires in February of 24. Uh, we did have initial setup costs for this program like you would expect of a little under $100,000, and then we have annual maintenance fees. So the contract before you this evening is to extend that agreement um, through 2029, and the annual fees are outlined uh, both under the financial impact and at the end of the staff report. These are budgeted through our IT department. Um, but just a quick commercial on IMS and how it's benefited our department. We, whether you want to say unfortunately or fortunately, we're able to implement this basically um, around the time that we had to deal with COVID. And so people were not coming to City Hall. And fortunately, we had a new software that allowed us to do our business without people having to come to City Hall. You can apply for a building permit online. Instead of having a huge roll of plans that sometimes takes multiple people or a cart to carry, you just submit them online. And so everything's digital, so there's a lot of, of space savings. And this was primarily through our building department, but then Community Standards uses this for all of their code enforcement actions, and it's a great tool for me anywhere in the world because it's cloud-based to be able to look up and see what an issue is at a, at a property. Uh, we've had other departments start to utilize this, such as our clerk's office and public works and engineering. So a lot of different departments are touching the software. It's coming to a point now where uh, I think we really appreciate the abilities of it. There's still more abilities to it. Um, but we have found a lot of value in this and um, believe that it is definitely worth the investment to sign on for additional five years. So with that, the resolution is to extend that contract through 2029, and with that, I'll open it up for any questions. Thank you, Director Thorvig. Members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland. Second. Second by Councilmember Fleming. Questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Concludes the items on the agenda. Is there any other business before the council? Seeing and hearing none, I am open to a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Moved by Councilmember Robertson, second by Councilmember Newland. All those in favor of adjournment, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Council is adjourned.